Welcome to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. I'm Adam Minahan. Uh, Bishop, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And to you. Yeah. Is, is that why you're wearing a tie? That's where I'm wearing a, a tie today, did, yes. Did you, I don't remember if you dressed up for the others. I haven't, I haven't been dressing up for the, uh, uh, New Year, New Me. New Year, New Me, right. <laughs> we'll see if it lasts. We'll see. I mean, last year, uh, last uh, week we talked about holy habits, you know, starting out new new habits. So maybe, maybe this will be a new, a new habit. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, very unique time uh, in, in the church today with uh, Pope Benedict passing recently. So we wanted to kind of jump on real quick, talk about Pope Benedict in this episode mm-hmm. uh, before we uh, take a break for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I'll be going to the Holy Land for a couple of weeks with the ladies and dames, as they say, of the Holy Sepulchre, the Knights of the Holy Sepulchre. And uh, my first time to go to see the holy places, and so certainly I'll be praying for the diocese, but also for good Pope Benedict uh, during my time away. His funeral will be this Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, Thursday. Sir. Mm-hmm. And um, so I won't. I, I hope I'll be somewhere where there's a TV where I can see parts of it anyway. But uh, we might begin this episode uh, precisely with the prayer that has been uh, put out by the USCCB for Pope Benedict. Very good, yeah, let's so do let's it. let's begin. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, eternal shepherd, hear the prayers of your people for your servant Benedict, who governed your church with love. In your mercy, bring him with the flock once entrusted to his care. To the reward you have promised your faithful servants, may he who faithfully administered the mysteries of your forgiveness and love on earth Rejoice with you forever in heaven. In your wise and loving care, you made your servant teacher of all your church. He did the work of Christ on earth. May your son welcome him into eternal glory. May your servant, whom you appointed high priest of your flock, be counted now among the priests in the life of your kingdom. Give your servant the reward of eternal happiness And let your mercy win for us the gift of your life and love. We entrust your servant to your mercy with faith and confidence. In the human family, he was an instrument of your peace and love. May he rejoice in those gifts forever with your saints. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, so we've been praying for... Pope Benedict for some time mm-hmm. at intercessions during Mass because we were receiving these reports that he was weakening, um, that he was simply winding down. Right. And so... But well, a man who loves Jesus, mm-hmm. right? I mean, his last words was, Jesus, I love you. I mean, when I heard that, I was, how fitting and how beautiful, like, what a, what a, a beautiful death. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that's what we pray. That's something that we don't really talk about very much anymore, but praying for a, a good and holy death from, yep. through St. Joseph. Yeah. Um, what a gift that is. It's worthy of praying for, and in part simply because there's a wisdom. The church has always said, memento mori, mm-hmm. remember death. There is a wisdom in remembering that this life is not all. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for us to become so overly focused in what's going on in this earth, in this world, that we forget that we're here passing through as pilgrims. We're on our way home. Uh, Pope Benedict was born on Holy Saturday, uh, 1927. And I thought for myself when I learned that, I thought 
Holy Saturday. What's going on in the church in Holy Saturday? The tabernacles are standing open in the churches from Good Friday at the end of the liturgy until the beginning of the vigil. And so Holy Saturday is a day of longing. I mean, people experience it that way because Christ is in the tomb and we're longing for that that, uh, resurrection miracle. And so how fitting it seemed that he's born on Holy Saturday when the church is longing for her Lord, and he has spent his life longing for the Lord in all of his uh, scholarship and all of his theological study and wisdom, in all of his conversations with people about the faith, in all of the writings. Mm -hmm. I looked up his bibliography today. It just goes on forever. Did you write a paper in ink before you finished it? (laughs) In English and German. (laughs) And so, uh, on the other hand, I have found it, at least for myself, hard to be sad Hmm. about it. It's something that he desired. Mm -hmm. He himself desired to leave this life and join the Lord in heaven I believe, I think we all believe that he has achieved that. And so knowing that he he has received what he desired, it's hard to be sad. It's also, I think, hard for me to be uh, sad because of what he has left us. Again, referring to that bibliography. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could in the rest of my life read all of the the things that he has left there, and yet there are some jewels that I certainly want to get to. We put some of them here on the table. He wrote a series of books right at the end of his life uh, on the general topic of Jesus and Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus, the apostles in the early church. There's one on the infancy narratives and so forth, uh, all of which is, is aimed at helping us to connect Uh, Pope Benedict understood well and taught that Christianity is not a cerebral, not meant to be, Mm -hmm. merely a cerebral exercise. Um, This is something that that, uh, he said one time that I think is so powerful. Pope Benedict said this, It means for us, too, Christianity is not a new philosophy or a new morality. We are only Christians if we encounter Christ. Of course, he does not show himself to us in this overwhelming, luminous way, as he did to Paul, to make him the apostle to all peoples. But we too can encounter Christ in reading sacred scripture. We can do that. Mm -hmm. In prayer, we can do that. In the liturgical life of the church, these are all things that we can do to encounter Christ. We can touch Christ's heart and feel him touching ours. Only in this personal relationship with Christ, only in this encounter with the risen one, do we truly become Christians. And in this way, our reason opens. All Christ's wisdom opens, as do all the riches of truth. That was during one of his Wednesday audiences. And it's so powerful. We we talk a lot these days about intentional Christianity mm-hmm. and being intentional disciples of Jesus. And that's what uh, Pope Benedict is getting at. Uh, it, is, it is possible to be Catholic, but to forget why, to, to, to become bored, mm-hmm. 
If you find yourself as a Catholic bored, look for Jesus, and mm. that will cure the boredom. We're going to be with him one day forever. Yeah. And so it, it the faith can seem boring only if we don't expect that Jesus is with us in every moment. Uh, but once we... Once we know the Lord in this personal way, once we desire to be with him in this way, uh, then the faith ceases to be boring. It becomes something that I want to pursue, want to deepen uh, my life in. Yeah, I mean, he made such an impact not only to, you know, uh, people all over the world, but specifically locally here. I mean, a lot of the priests that have been ordained uh, in the Diocese of Tulsa probably uh, heard their calling because of some of maybe even uh, Pope Benedict's writings that um, him being the Pope, you know, mm-hmm. I know Father Pratt was the, uh, oh, I, I'm going blank on the name, the cross bearer at the beginning, like uh, carrying the cross, processing in. Yeah. Is, that, is it called cross bearer? Sure. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, a cross bearer at one of the masses at, with Pope Benedict. Oh, oh okay. okay. Um, at the Vatican. At the Vatican. Yeah. And, and I think uh, Father Sean Donovan was as well mm-hmm. um, at, there. And so like he's made such an impact even for our local church mm-hmm. um, and the priesthood there. What do you think his, what do you think his legacy is going to be? Well, I think his legacy, again, a lot of of uh, his legacy will be contained in the writings. The same for John Paul II, that, you know, we can think of those as sort of rich mines with treasures Mm -hmm. still to be uh, dug out. So I certainly intend to continue to read uh, things that Pope Benedict was writing about, and part of his legacy will live in that. I think part of his legacy will live in the courage that it took for him to abdicate the papacy. He understood that in the modern world, the church needs a pope who is agile, who is able to be uh, energetic, both mentally and physically even, because of the travel and all the, the schedule and so forth. And he understood himself, and he saw in his own physical uh, person, I, I'm winding down. I'm losing my energy here, and I don't think I have what the church needs. It would be much easier for anyone in such a circumstance to just continue to go through the motions day by day and to uh, let other people take care of things and so forth. But he had the courage to say, no, no, the church needs more than that. And he had the confidence in the Holy Spirit to know that, A, he was doing what he felt was the right thing, what God was leading him to do, and B, that the Holy Spirit would take care of his church. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to cling to the papacy as if somehow the church will fall apart without me. And so he ends up being the first pope in almost 600 years who resigns from the papacy. A unique thing that happened when that happened was that Pope Benedict was still a pope who saw the election of his successor. That hasn't happened in almost 600 years. Right. And now we see the opposite end of that uniqueness in that Pope Francis is the first pope in almost 600 years to preside over the funeral of his predecessor. Uh, And all of that brought about by the courage of Pope Benedict to, to resign. 
Yeah, I, I envision, you know, right now, one of the the biggest podcasts out there right now, all not just Catholic, but the biggest one out there right now is the Catechism of the Year with mm-hmm. Father Mike Schmitz mm-hmm. you know, from Ascension Press. And a lot of people don't know that, you know, Pope Benedict helped write the Catechism. Right. You know, it, it was John Paul II and it, it was uh, Benedict and uh, several others, but I just envision, you know, Benedict going up there to heaven, seeing John Paul II and say, you know, we did it, we wrote it, and now... The base podcast is is them listening to it. They're reading it. People are reading the catechism. Well, and again, you talk about his legacy. That's the kind of thing that marks a legacy because coming out of the Vatican Council, what the church experienced was people who were galloping, uh, taking the council documents and galloping off in one direction or another direction with them, mm-hmm. going well beyond the documents themselves. And so... Pope Benedict understood that the church is, the the actual life and belief of the church is sort of in the middle of these poles, and the catechism does that. It gives us what is the life of the church, uh, summarizes the teaching and the life of the church. And so if a person wants to avoid extremes, Mm -hmm. uh, moving out to extremes on either side, the catechism is a perfect guide for that and will be. Uh, so again, it's one of those legacy uh, moments. I also wanted to to uh, talk about this quotation also, one that I found that I really like. Okay, um, powerful, and I think he he made this one to um, to World Youth Day, and he said, "The world offers you comfort, but you were not made for comfort; you were made for greatness." Again, we're talking about uh, if the faith is boring. If you understand that you are made for greatness and that the Catholic faith can bring you to that greatness, then it can't be boring. It's going to be an adventure. Now, things that are adventurous uh, are not always adventurous in a positive way. <laughs> the, the whole point of the adventure is to take what comes right. and to do it with an open heart and an open mind And so that's true of life itself. And so we shouldn't be looking to uh, make our life banal and boring. Mm -hmm. We should be thinking, uh, what am I made for? I'm made for greatness. How can I achieve greatness? Uh, How can I achieve it in my relationship with the Lord, in my relationship with others? Yeah, I mean, he, he, he was born into this idea of understanding what, that he was not made for comfort. You know, he and both John Paul both fought against, you know, communism. Yeah, yeah, that's a part of their biography that is so interesting. Uh, Pope Benedict born in 1927. I don't remember when John Paul was born. Um, He's a priest at the age of 24. And... He's already encountered and grown through this deadly ideology of Nazism and now also communism and the Second World War, that whole generation experienced such trials and yet came through them understanding that God is in control and that God can rescue us and so we should place our faith in God. Uh, It makes them people who have a kind of a, a... a uh, rigidity, not not rigidity, but a strength mm-hmm. uh, in their basic composition because they matured early because they faced these trials. They, they had to. They didn't have an option. They didn't have an option. Uh, 
So we should be careful of what our media does to us, for example. It kind of lulls us into this stupor, this boring stupor. Uh, if you find yourself scrolling for hours through some kind of media, stop and say, is this leading me to greatness? Right, yeah. <laughs> it probably is not. Uh, but what will? Well, uh, scrolling through the scriptures might, for example. Certainly Benedict would have believed that. Um, this is another uh, quotation that I like from him. Knowledge of faith, furthermore, is not contrary to reason. That's an important, uh, an important distinction these days. People who grow up in this very technologically educated world but because they don't receive much in the way of what we would call liberal arts education, they may be sort of overweighted on the side of science and technology to the point where they think that science answers all the questions and we don't need faith anymore. Mm -hmm. But scientists don't believe that. Mm -hmm. uh, there are scientists who are men of faith, men and women of faith, who don't believe that. Knowledge of faith is not contrary to reason. The things that we believe by faith are not irrational. In the irresistible desire for truth, only a harmonious relationship between faith and reason can show the correct path to God and to self-fulfillment. Again, he said that in a, a Wednesday audience. Harmonious relationship, a recognition that uh, faith and reason operate together always. Faith and science are two lenses through which we can know truth, but they don't, they don't uh, cross over into each other's sphere. You can't use science to prove God's existence, but you, and you can't use faith to prove that water is two molecules of hydrogen and one molecule of oxygen or whatever. But both together give you a full picture of things. We have water, it consists of molecules, and it has a creator. It didn't mm -hmm. spring into existence from nothing except for the creator. And we need those things together. Mm -hmm. uh, this one is similar to the, the last quotation. Uh, faith is not mere intellectual assent of the human person to specific truths about God. It is an act with which I entrust myself freely to a God who is Father and who loves me. It is adherence to a you who gives me hope and trust. Again, I love that mm. so much because it. this kind of idea does away with the idea of passive Christianity, of mm -hmm. a passive Christian. Uh, okay, uh, I'll say the creed every Sunday, and I'll say I believe everything in the creed, but I don't explore what that means or mm -hmm. what it means for me. I give a mere intellectual assent to specific truths about God, but I don't go further and recognize that that God about whom these truths are written knows my name and wants me to talk to him right? and wants me to give him my life today. Mm -hmm. And if I do then I won't be bored anymore right. because living for God is a challenge. It is always a challenge in the world. But I entrust myself freely. So th this word act, it is an act hmm. 
again, no passive Christianity. Right. To really become a Christian, to really get into what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, requires a decision. And that decision requires my whole life. I have to take my whole life, my whole future, put it in a bucket and say, Jesus, this is yours. Mm -hmm. Here it is. Do what you want with it. Then it won't be boring anymore because he will do things with it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, (laughs) he's quoted as saying also, like, those who have hope live differently. Hmm. I mean, and that's exactly what you're just saying, right? Those who have hope, like when you have hope and your hope is rooted in Jesus Christ, you live differently. Right. And uh, who was the famous uh, Holocaust survivor uh, who who said basically that that the oh, people Vic, uh, Victor Fun- Frankel Frankel yeah that the people in the camps who survived were the ones who had hope. Hope. I saw this in the hospital when I worked as a hospital chaplain. Uh, you could you could see a, a visibly different outcome often in the family and in the patient of people who understood that God was with them going through this, whatever the the terrible thing was. Even if the patient died, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the most amazing things that I saw was a young boy, seven-year-old boy, who died of cancer, and his family in that room with him the morning that he died, praying in prayers of thanksgiving to God who had given them the gift of this boy for seven years. Uh, that was a powerful thing. That's living differently. And that's not passive. You don't no. get to that by passive assent, intellectual assent to, to specific truths about God. You get to that by saying, okay, I'm professing these things, but do I believe them? Do I believe them to the point that I would be willing to bet my life on them? Mm-hmm. And if I do and I make that bet, then I'm I'm not going to be living passively anymore. Yeah. Uh, Here's a final one. Okay. We could go on. For yeah, I mean, he's written so much. We could sit here and talk about it, and I'm okay with it. I like talking. <laughs> I, love, I love Pope Benedict. I, I love what he's written. Yeah, go ahead. But here's another one, and this one, again, I think he said at a World Youth Day, which is a perfect setting for this to be said. If we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing, nothing. He, he emphasizes it. We lose nothing, absolutely nothing, of what makes life free, beautiful, and great. Free, beautiful, and great. Not boring, boring, boring. Free, beautiful, and great. No. Only in this relationship are the doors of life opened wide. Why would that be? Well, again, hope opens horizons. Mm -hmm. It opens what we expect to happen. Only in this relationship is the great potential of human existence truly revealed. The potential of human existence. Only in this friendship do we experience beauty and liberation. And then a final line here. The least power of love is already greater than the greatest power of destruction. Hmm. The fact that uh, God has already defeated hell and Satan Mm -hmm. and death even in our lives gives testimony to that. The least power of love is already greater than the greatest power of any destruction. So that to me, I think, will be the legacy of Pope Benedict, a witness Hmm. to these truths, a witness to the the 
uh, grandeur mm-hmm. that the Christian life can give a person, a witness to the greatness that life in Christ gives to even the most simple and humble of persons. And so a encouragement to all of us to live the way that he taught. Absolutely. Uh, what, what was, do you have a favorite book of his that you've, that you've written? I can't say that only because I realize in looking at his bibliography that there's so much that I yeah, haven't read. I know, me too. Like, that's hard. One, th- one mistake I made, though, I'll tell you this, Bishop. I, I try to read or I try to listen to uh, audiobooks in the in the car instead of listening to music. I either am listening to Catholic radio or audiobooks. Those are the two things I listen to. Shameless plug. But um, which Catholic radio? Yeah. <laughs> Same Michael Catholic radio ninety four point nine. Uh, uh, but I I was listening to uh, Jesus of Nazareth, his book uh, on auto uh, audiobook, and I realized very quickly. Wait a minute, I am missing way too much trying to listen to this on audio. This is a must read. Get your hands on, not a yeah. an audiobook yeah. uh, type of uh, book for me. But I really liked his Regensburg address. I think that's a really good one. Like when Christ, like the, the pivotal point that Christ came into the world and that importance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spirit of the uh, Spirit of the Liturgy was also a good one, but the, I mean the Jesus of Nazareth book. When you're re- when you're reading through his three volume set, you can't help but know that the man had a true relationship with it. There's no way you could write mm-hmm. a, a, about this person without ha- you know, this person, namely Jesus, mm-hmm. without having a deep personal relationship with him. Yeah, and I think the other thing that comes across to me is again, the scholar that he was, because he's just throwing out casually this, <laughs> and that person says this, and right. of course the, they argue this, and da-da-da. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that it would take the rest of us months of research and painstaking, <laughs> and he's just throwing it all out at the top, at the end of his career. Right. All of it at the end of his career. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, maybe... Uh, Jesus of Nazareth is a great way to start. Sure. Um, that, yeah, I mean, those are beautiful. I, I would say that if, if a person wants to start, I would start with the infancy narratives. Uh-huh. We've just come through Christmas. Uh, so this is his beautiful little book, The Infancy Narratives, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, because the reason for reading these kinds of books, the reason why he wrote them, is to help with this, uh, that he his life project, that Christians should not simply be cerebral people, but people who have had an encounter with a person, mm-hmm. and that encounter changes their life. And so reading books like this help us to encounter this person. Who is Jesus? What was he like? What did his face look like? What made him happy? What made him sad? What kinds of things uh, set him off? Mm-hmm. What kinds of jokes did he tell? All of those <laughs> kinds of things that help us to get to know a person are also true of him. Absolutely. In and the, the more Gospels, you suppose yeah. we can we can find ways to meet him. Right. And the more you know him, the more you can love him, the more you love him, the more you want to serve him, and then that's when you're living differently, right? right? Um So, Bishop, we're, you're going to be gone for a couple of weeks like we said. Uh so I encourage you guys if you have not listened to maybe a couple episodes on adoration, we did an episode on adoration before. Mm-hmm. We did an episode on confession. Uh we talked with Carlo Broussard for a couple of weeks. Um, from Catholic Answers. To go back, if you haven't had a chance to listen to those, to go back, like, and subscribe to our YouTube channels. That way you can make sure you can you can watch it. As we, I think by the time you get back, Bishop, 
we'll probably have a little bit different looking set. So, and I'll I'll also throw in a plug about the chosen because okay, now we've yeah. got episodes three and four out of the third season, and if people haven't seen any of it, I would highly recommend it. Uh, again, the point of something like the chosen, a project like the chosen, is to help people meet the Lord, mm-hmm. and in trying to envision what might He have been like. It's not a project that says this is exactly how he was right. and the only way it can be imagined. No. Right. But it's a project that says he was probably something like this. Mm-hmm. And you can then use your own imagination. And I find that as I watch those episodes, that's what happens to me. Some things I see on on The Chosen, I think, no, no, I, I, that doesn't, he's not going to do that. That doesn't fit <laughs> what I think of him at all. And other things I'm riveted by. Hmm. Uh, riveted by in things, terms of things that he says, ways that he looks. So I think that kind of a, a film project is highly useful mm-hmm. in terms of the life of faith and getting to know the Lord. Plus, it's free on the app. Right. Yeah, you can just download it. Download it. So, so. Uh, This is also a pro- product of Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcast. We have other podcasts there besides Tulsa Time, like Made for More. You gave a talk uh, to, mm. the, to young adults. Right, right. We, uh, were, we were dealing with the uh, topic of same-sex attraction mm-hmm. that evening, uh, something that the church has a beautiful and rich and very nuanced teaching about that is so often mischaracterized and just sort of thrown away as being out of touch. But it's actually, I think, the only one that is in touch. Yeah, yes. Well, yeah, absolutely, because it's in accord with reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, have, you have that talk. We have other talks given. We have a guy from uh, Nathaniel from Exodus 90 gave a talk uh, that we have downloaded on there. So anyway, if you subscribe to Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcast, you can let, get all those for free. But we'll be back, what, in a couple weeks? Does it sound good? Sure. All right, Bishop, uh, I, I hope that you have a great trip. And they, they say that going to the Holy Land is like the Bible coming alive, like the Old sure. Testament coming alive. So Now, uh, for us who lived in College Station, Texas, home of the fight in Texas Aggies, we say that we live in the Holy Land. But then we go to visit Jerusalem. <laughs> <You> go- <laughs> All right. People very- often react negatively when we say this. <laughs> all right, very good. Well, uh, have a great trip. Uh, maybe let's all... We can end in prayer for Pope sure, Benedict. Sure. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the gift that you have given us of this holy man who loved the Lord and showed us in the way that he lived and in the way that he taught how to love the Lord ourselves. Help us to fall in love with your Son so that we might live with him forever. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for tuning in to Tulsa Time. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends so they can also learn everything that's happening here in the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma. We'll see you in a couple weeks. 